What's good, everybody? This is Fraternal Football. I'm Cameron. I'm Zach. It is just the perfect sign of why Josh McDaniels is such a toxic coach. Bringing in a guy who's his guy, despite it not being an upgrade over what you had previously. I mean, I guess you could call him a leader, but if that is a leader, that is definitely what you call a toxic leader. <laughs> we're, getting, we're just going to start the podcast right off the bat with the spicy point. <laughs> uh, yeah, to that point, um, that's, a, that's an interesting one, one I have not quite heard from any other outlet. So, um, and I feel like a lot of coaches like tend to bring in guys they know, but not a lot of coaches tend to ostracize their competent to above average quarterback and then bring in their guy who, <laughs> who is, um, as many would put it, uh, more of a lateral move, not necessarily an upgrade. I, I think that's also putting it nicely, saying it's that a lateral move. It nicely. Because, like, I don't think most people in their right mind who have watched football over the last 10 years would say Jimmy G is necessarily on Derek Carr's level. I'm not saying Derek Carr is, like, a world-breaker, and he's not been to a Super Bowl like Jimmy G, but Jimmy G was playing for the 49ers, the best coach in the league currently one of the best organizations in the league. Throw Derek Carr, who doesn't get hurt, who's so much more consistent, so much more accurate in that Niners system. And is it is it a stretch to say they probably are more successful? I don't think so. Not in the slightest. <laughs> uh, you can absolutely argue that point, and I would agree with you. Uh, I would say being putting it nicely and saying it's a lateral move is going with the suggestion uh, that at Derek Carr's non-peak, let's say last year, I guess, uh, that he's more or less in the same category of quarterback that Jimmy G is in, that like not elite, but like 10, 11 through like 15, 16 best quarterback in the league. Somewhere in there, the teens, but not the back half of the teens. It's just uh, he's the he's the borderline top ten guy. Cam and I have said it since this podcast has been on. We've mentioned Derek Carr. He's that borderline right. top ten guy. Jimmy and G is not he's probably top. like fifteen <laughs> <laughs> at best. In his best years, he's like oh. fifteen. In his worst years, he's probably like low twenties. Uh, or, it, or did he even play because he's hurt? Not not to come to the Jimmy G defense because he's now my team's quarterback, but um, detractors might point at, uh, of course, you could point at the win-loss record, and that's that. That's not really much to go off of. Um, though it looks it's quite sparkly. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no it, exactly. Um, Derek Carr's were like 63 and 70 or something like that. And, it's a uh, miracle that he's Jimmy only G. 10 
below 500 for Derek Carr, it, considering it everything is. he's had to deal with. Isn't it? <laughs> um, you expected it to be much worse. Um, but yeah, it's around 10 or so under. Uh, and then Jimmy G is a sparkling 40 and 17. Uh, not including playoffs. But so some might superficially point at that. Others might point at, uh, and what I would more so point at is that there is one thing that I think Jimmy G does have over Carr. Uh, for one thing, it seems like everybody likes both guys. But man, they're always talking about how much they love Jimmy Garoppolo, um, like everybody. Uh, and that's probably marginal. But what I think actually is the difference is um, is in certain moments, and Derek Carr's had less exposure being on a crap organization like the Raiders. Uh, as a fan, I can say that is that I, I'm more or less, aside from that key throw in a Super Bowl, I, I will sort of trust Jimmy G to make the plays that he needs to do in key games, like against the Rams to go to the playoffs uh, the year before last, uh, like those throws in those NFC title games, one of which got them into the Super Bowl. That was mostly Mostert, but Jimmy G certainly did what he had to. I don't always trust Carr in those because sometimes he just actually implodes. I, I have a rebuttal for this. But he, he's just look, implodes sometimes. Jimmy G, we it, expect Carr, we expect more of. It is extremely easy to make the tough throws in the difficult situations when your coach is scheming things wide open for you. In a coach-driven league, which the only thing that affects the play on the field more than quarterback is your offensive play caller. And when you have the best one in the league, a guy who I consider an average quarterback in Jimmy G makes clutch throws more frequently than a guy like Derek Carr, who... Unless you are a the hardcore Raiders fan, for the most part, over the last decade that he has been with the Raiders, no one can name an offensive coordinator they've had. Not one. Over the last decade. It's, it literally, I'm hard-pressed to think of a single name for offensive coordinator for the Raiders over okay. 10 years. Okay, I, I'm not great at naming names in the moment but is Todd Downing one of the names he and was is no Todd Downing that. considered good no I just I don't him. hear his name getting thrown around the great offensive coordinators of the NFL <laughs> like I'm not trying to discredit this guy he's a, but he's an NFL coach yeah but there's levels to this well, there's such like, things that, like the worst NFL coaches are not at all notable Whereas, like, the top two guys are, are paid and worshipped. Like, um, then do you think Derek Carr, who is more accurate and consistently just available, can't make those throws in the 49ers system in those key moments? I think he I, can. I, don't, I think a lot of that stuff is schemed so open that Jimmy G doesn't have to move on to a second read. He knows it's going to be open before the ball is snapped. 
That's what Kyle Shanahan brings. That's the gravity of the Kyle Shanahan effect. And Derek Carr in the same situation, I can almost bet my life is just as clutch as Jimmy G. It's all coming down to situation. I will agree with that. I will also further rebut that I believe it's also a mental thing and that Carr is intimidated and folds sometimes. Whereas Jimmy G, I've never seen that. He makes dumb decisions, but he's not going to let Joey Bosa boss him around. Like, like Carr Blissful arrogance on Jimmy Possibly. G's part. Possibly. Doesn't we'll necessarily we'll see it. equal. That's not necessarily a positive trade because the same and, thing and perhaps, where Jimmy G may not back down is also what gets him into trouble more frequently than Carr. It throughout is. an entire season. But and, and we'll see. It could thing. be a product of the Raiders. <laughs> it That's could very well be that. Thing that folds players over the course of the season when you're not in a good situation. Like, do you think Jimmy That's G true. can overcome a dysfunctional organization? I don't think he has the tools to Almost do that. Almost nobody will. Yeah. I mean, sure, like Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, right? That's Possibly that seems likely a reality. Do you I, think? I'm do I think Aaron Rodgers can lift the dysfunction of the Jets? Yeah, no. for a season or two, because he's uh, that good. For a season or two, do I think or, Aaron Rodgers? I'm sorry, Kuga. I, I I I bring up that point because it literally takes that level of quarterback to overcome that level of dysfunction. But do you think he and Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> is nowhere near the talent of Aaron Rodgers? Best case near. scenario is what I said. Uh, I, I'm rooting for him to be competent, but in the off chance that his history plays out, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's history plays out as it has. Um, that would have us probably losing a bunch of games because he gets seriously injured. And then, you know, we're right in line for the quarterback class next year. <laughs> I think the draft Let's go is going to be really telling. I think the draft's going to be really telling for the Raiders. I think they are almost required at this point now to draft a quarterback with their pick. You think they're just going to go Will Levis or Anthony Richardson to stash him? I... I think they have no choice because I don't think you can rely on Jimmy G to play every game next year. I think you're going to have to have some kind of contingency plan. And I think Josh McDaniels I feel like they're gonna is go already kind of tying himself to Jimmy G in that case because of the past connection. And look, I'm not even, it's even a stretch in my eyes to call Jimmy G Josh McDaniels' guy. They're a, they haven't been in the same organization for like six or seven years. Wait, it was 2018 or so, right? 2019? It's been like four or five. The vast majority of Jimmy G's success, he, he like started, what, three games for the Patriots? Three games? Yeah. He has only three meaningful games under Josh McDaniels in that system. Were they even meaningful? It was kind of just waiting for Tom. Well, Brady like to get back, meaningful right? as in like he actually 
took like a good amount of snaps. Did he not get like, hurt in that too? Because didn't Jacoby Brissett did. play he the did. fourth? He did. <laughs> like the vast majority of Jimmy G's career has been spent in a completely different system of a superior system a less complicated system because complicated doesn't mean superior in the NFL. Look at the Eagles. They kept it simple and look how look where it took them. I don't even yeah. see how this is an upgrade in any way. I think this, this, if anything, is going to be the biggest catalyst for why Josh McDaniels gets fired. You have to draft a quarterback. This is for Josh McDaniel's sake because just maybe because the Raiders are dysfunctional, they'll say, oh, well, well, let's give him, let's give him the ability to groom his quarterback because I think next year is going to be a disaster. I think it's going to be a disaster. You you have all the key uh... pieces to win now. You have Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro. So you saw the uh, ESPN NFL post on where does this Raiders offense rank with all those guys, right? And yet there was no huge push to be like, please, Brady, don't retire. Or you, there was no kind of rumor of Aaron Rodgers going to, to Vegas. It was like Jets or, or Packers or retire. I mean, I the Jets the sent their once. whole contingent, right? <laughs> yeah, but at least they're selling uh, Look, I got to give them a little bit of props for that. They're like, we need a significant improvement. What are you doing, Raiders? You're moving off of arguably the best quarterback in your history. The history of your franchise. The all-time leading passer. For Jimmy Garoppolo. For the bargain price of 22 mil. <laughs> you just traded a chuck steak, which isn't which isn't a high quality steak, right? But you know it's a steak for some ground beef. Um I would like to read some comments that I've procured from the internet on this topic. Um, would you like to hear the ridiculously positive one, um, the realistic ones, uh, or the just straight up mean one first? Let's uh, let's start with the real, the realistic. Looks top five, plays top twenty. Um, and then the one that you actually also sent to me. Um, this is the main one. From Jimmy G to Derek Carr is like going from ultra reliable Honda Civic to another Honda Civic just with crash history. <laughs> and then under that, almost no change, lol. <laughs> and uh, the nice one is went from Derek Carr to Derek Carr, but handsome. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Even the nice ones are not like, yeah, Jimmy's an improvement. They're just saying he's better looking. 
here's a good one. Um, here's the ultra positive one and hear me out, but don't hear me out really. Uh, could trade for D. This is from the Raiders community in, in Bleacher Report. Uh, could trade for D Hop and go Gannon slash Brown slash Rice part two. So we're going to the Super Bowl what? according to this guy. If we tra- if the Raiders trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, we could have Gannon, Brown, How? and Rice. Who are they going to trade did, their first round? He did pick? not specify who which one would be Brown and, and which would be Rice, but apparently we'd have both those guys. <laughs> but but now. No one – I think we should just make this the point. Don't ever compare anyone to Jerry Rice. It's very tough Period. to do so. Don't ever compare anyone to the greatest receiver in your team's history as well. Yeah. And don't ever claim the Raiders are going to go to the Super Bowl <laughs> for any reason other than Tom Brady goes back in time, is 25, and then unretires, and then joins the Raiders. And Bill Belichick also goes back in time and also becomes the head coach of the Raiders, and Josh McDaniels never existed. (laughs) Only in that specific impossible scenario could you ever complain that the Raiders are going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) That's a very specific scenario. Because it's not possible. Shifting gears somewhat, the the Jets haven't made the playoffs since 2010. Do um, you think Rodgers at least gets in there? You know, I they have been really Maybe close. Maybe they won though. again. They are, they have been really close. There was a year I think they should have made it where they won double digit games with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They were just in a pretty tough division that year. Was that when they went ten and six? Yeah, I think they should have made it. It would have been very entertaining. They just barely got edged out. Do you think Aaron Rodgers low-key lifts them over the Bills, or at least almost Definitely. on par? I think I think the Jets have a very talented roster everywhere, I but quarterback. I think their offensive weapons look nice. Brees Hall, Michael Carter, um, Ty Johnson, right? That's the third guy. That, that, that's yeah. three quality running backs. They have Elijah, Elijah Moore, Moore Garrett Rookie Wilson. Yeah. They have the that reigning rookie of the year on both is, sides of the ball. <laughs> the offensive line is very solid. <laughs> Becton, Mackay Becton is, I know he was hurt last year, but dude was a stud <laughs> his rookie year. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers makes them the best team in that division. I don't give a shit. What the Dolphins gave up for Ramsey? Great value trade for them. Dude, they gave but, up almost nothing. Yeah, they gave up some potato chips. Like a third and, round pick. An IOU. <laughs> yeah, like I, the Rams just, I, I think Ramsey just wanted to be gone. Um, I think the Jets would instantly become the favorite to win that division. I think they're the most well-rounded team in that division if they get Aaron Rodgers, in I, my opinion. 
and and here's where I agree on that is that I think the Bills are fake contenders and they always have been. And whether just, Josh Allen can ever lift them to be real contenders is is kind of a question mark for me. So I just think as, that as uh, awesome as he is. Despite the firepower they have on offense and the deep they are threat, who we thought they were. Their offense is probably going to be the best in that division, even with Aaron Rodgers on the Jets, right? Yeah. But the defense is just been gradually declining, aging out, lackluster as a whole, inconsistent. And your coach is they don't translate. Coach, so, I the, mean, the defense oh, doesn't translate to the postseason. They can't stop most, anybody. Most of the Bills' defensive identity over Sean McDermott tenure there has been former Carolina players aging out of their primes and underperforming for the Bills. And it's not gotten better because they haven't really added a significant player to that side of the ball. I mean, Jordan Poyer was probably the biggest add, and that was years ago now. That's probably the most significant add to their defense. I mean, Matt Milano's solid, but like that's your one good draft pick on defense in like past five years. Did they draft Tremaine at Edmonds? They he, did. he just signed a big deal somewhere else. I think Chicago. They did, and he's gone. He's not on the team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they they go after AJ Espinessa, who rotational pass rusher at best. They went for a very uh, what was that guy's name? The really raw pass rusher they drafted. Um, the really tall guy, right? Oh, out of Miami. Uh, I can't recall his name. Wow, uh, it, I know that says about. something, right? That says yeah. something. It does. I can't it's recall a his line. name. A first round pick. Yeah, less than two years ago. They have missed a lot on the on the D line slash linebacking core aside from Edmonds. If you look at Miami, that the defense, yeah, it's an upgrade. You know, Jalen Ramsey's definitely better than Byron Jones and Xavier Nower. I don't think so, Byron Jones can walk. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's an upgrade. It, like it wasn't definitely like, can't hop, skip, and run. There was that was a great trade for Miami, but. Does it make them the best team in the division? No. You have Tua Tagovailoa as your quarterback. Hey, you know who they also have as of today? Who? Mike White. Mike White. You might see Mike White and be like, wow, our ceiling's higher because we have a guy who can throw a deep ball. Yeah. He'll at least <laughs> do the little things. That's sad. Like to- He'll do the little things for two or three games, wow everybody again, and then fade into obscurity once more. Like Miami, you can you can slap band-aid after band-aid on that team, but your Tua problem is not going away until Tua is recognized as the problem. And uh New England. I mean, you whiffed the moment you tied the rest of your future in Mac Jones. So, I mean, yeah. what did you expect when you tied yourself to Matt Castle? I mean, Mac Jones. 
I I actually thought for a second that that you uh, yeah, seeing us are they're the same. I'm not mixing them up. That's just (laughs) that's just who Mac Jones is. (laughs) Um, back to the Jets. You think if if Aaron Rodgers wasn't the target, you think they would have considered um leaving Nathaniel Hackett on the tarmac? Oh yeah, (laughs) the Air Force. Look. I don't uh, think Nathaniel Hackett can coach for the damn. No. I don't think it's I just said familiarity. last year he Aaron Rodgers he owes Aaron Rodgers a steak dinner every night for the rest of that man's life forever getting him considered for a head coaching job. Dude can't Ever. coach worth a lick. We're talking about Raiders offensive coordinators and guys who we've never heard of. You would never have ever heard this dude's name even breathed not even by his own family, if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers. Like, this guy can't coach. Yeah, Just because he's, he's Aaron Rodgers' butt buddy. <laughs> I mean, look, that might be harsh, but that's reality. There's no, there's no history of success outside of Aaron Rodgers for this man. He made Russell Wilson look like the worst quarterback in the league last year. Russell yeah. Wilson. I mean, be prepared for a big turnaround for Russell Wilson. I can I can he, get behind that. I'm a little I'm a little temp tempered because I mean perhaps he just Sean actually Payton has won a, a little bit of four a games in a row with Taysom Hill. Okay. Yeah you're right. <laughs> Russell <laughs> Wilson <laughs> Russell Wilson ate Drew Brees, but or in terms of like accuracy or whatnot, I mean, there's an argument to say Russell Wilson's probably better, but that's for another day. Okay. But Russell uh, Wilson is probably the most talented quarterback he's ever coached. Outside of, I think, was he on the Troy Aikman Cowboys? No, I think he was with Tony Romo. Yeah, probably the most talent, like talented quarterback he's ever coached. So the Jets, the, the, let's get back to the point. This all goes to say, yeah, the Jets, you know, do I can't blame the Jets for selling everything they have, go after Aaron Rodgers. I do not blame them one bit. I think yeah, it's they had the- not a parallel to when Favre went to the Jets. There's no parallels at all, in my opinion. I think Favre was washed at that point. I mean, he had a little bit of fire left in him for the Vikings, but they were a significantly better team than the Jets. So I think overall, Favre was still pretty washed. Rodgers isn't was... washed. Yeah, I would Sorry. I would say he's not. Um, I would say I think that was Favre's second on retirement. Uh-huh. So I, I agree, but um, I mean, if you think about it, the Jets had probably the worst. Actually, not probably. I, I will say they had the worst quarterback play in the league last year, and they won like seven games. I thought they won like eight. How, eight. Did they win eight games? I thought uh, they went eight or nine. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they went seven. Either way, they won seven to eight games with like absolutely no 
shred of competency under center. Uh, I think with Aaron Rodgers, they at least have somewhat, I, I don't want to say a contending ceiling, but like they're in the mix somewhere. I think they do. Um, I think the AFC is uh, getting so log jammed that I don't know. I mean, look, the AFC hasn't seen a quarterback on that level besides Patrick Mahomes since Tom Brady was in that side of the conference. <laughs> oh, the Chet's one seven. Um, oh, okay. Uh, but still, um, same same point. <laughs> I I think look, Aaron Rodgers is in the rare situation or the Jets more or less are in the rare situation where not having a defensive coach will hold you back because if you have gotten Aaron Rodgers on the offensive side of the ball, who cares who's calling the plays? Mm -hmm. You can commit to your defensive head coach and be very successful because you have the offensive side of the ball covered with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. One of the most consistent, less least turn the least turnover prone quarterback of all time, which it, that is insane for anyone who's ever been on the Jets or a fan of the Jets or ever watched the Jets. <laughs> I mean, the greatest quarterback in Jets history is probably one of the most turnover prone players of all time in Joe Namath. <laughs> Yeah, he really gets a lot more uh, without, you know, disrespecting the legend there. Uh, he gets a lot more rep for his persona than I think his play. Wait, oh yeah, oh yeah. The Broadway there, show. Yeah. There's to be some to be said about that. I mean, they threw a lot more interceptions in general back then, but still, it's a bit hard to know. judge. Yeah, he has a lot. He has he has like over thirty more interceptions and touchdowns in his entire career. So, yeah. Uh, that being said, I, I really commend the Jets for really leaving it all on the table. Um, and it looks like we, we were talking Rodgers to the Raiders for a while. Nothing really substantive came out of that. Um, I think the one Israel, and him, then so. he's kicking yeah. himself right now. And then, he thought uh, it was happening. Yeah. And then lo and behold, the Jets came into the mix and presented a serious, um, I'm not gonna say offer, but like they're in the sweepstakes and they're the only team. It, it seems like Rodgers is either uh, retiring or joining the Jets. But I, I hope it happens. I'd like to see the the Jets. I I don't see do the uh, I don't see the risk for Rodgers. Right? Look, I mean, I don't either. Say, it's cold weather. Say they team. underperform. Say they underperform. He could just say, "I was on the Jets." And no one would bat an eye. They'd be like, yeah, you're right. It's the Jets. You're right. And, and on the plus side, who else? He loves being in the news all the time. So the media is not exactly. He'd, uh, be, he'd be the center of attention. That's what he always he'd always anyway. be. Exactly. <laughs> and and it's a cold weather team. So you don't have the Derek Carr problem uh, where he sucks in the cold. So you're like, you're good all the way around. And on his end, low risk, high reward. Uh, it seems like a good marriage there. No, I don't. I don't see a downside for Rogers. I don't. I don't see a downside for like virtually anybody. I don't see a downside for the Jets. Jets either. I mean, the oh, Jets yeah, straight up if it doesn't work, be like we're the Jets. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, at this point, it's like it can't get any worse for them. They might as well. You're right, what do they have right. to lose? I, I mean, they. one could argue they have a bit more pressure because the Giants are now, like, decent. Uh, or at least they were are last they? year. But, are they? no, I, I kind of feel like it's a mirage. Um, didn't we, we didn't talk about Daniel Jones. Uh, it's been no, a while. How we didn't. The Giants are winning five or six games next year. Watch. Look. Brian Maybe Dable. seven. I don't know if he had any say in the Daniel Jones re-signing, but Brian Dable is head coaching tenure with the Giants is now on a timer. It yep. is inevitable that he will be fired within Daniel Jones' contract. Not to his detriment, but because Daniel Jones is just straight up not good. That anybody would give a far below average quarterback, not a below average, but a consistently, in my opinion, bottom five quarterback in the league, anywhere near the amount of money that they did, blows my mind. Blows my mind. I would have rather given Taysom Hill that same contract than Daniel Jones. The 40 million a year? I would have rather literally begged Eli Manning at like, what, 44 years old to come back out of retirement and paid him that contract then signed it, re-signed Daniel Jones for that amount of money. They, yeah. The Giants just said, yeah, we don't want to make the class ever again. You think, I, it seems like with that move, and I, I get that they were in a precarious situation because you don't, like, keeping, you, you don't want to necessarily lose him and Saquon. But at the same time, your ceiling is very limited with either or both. Well, so like, they, they had to the sign one, tag the other, because they couldn't tag both. I get the Jets have been banging Hackettler for Rodgers, but what do the Giants have to lose from selling their soul and going after him too? They're in New York. They've been incompetent, but guess what? They're actually coming off a playoff experience. Arguably, their weapons are... I think they're probably far not less as long. good, not yeah. as good, but they have w- the better offensive weapon of the team since Saquon Barkley. That was a remarkably overachieving roster, relying on and y- relying on your best weapon who has never played the past couple of years essentially, and just had a really pop year. Is like kind of a to me. It felt like the Giants are just comfortable staying pat and they this was the time where they really should have taken that risk i feel like they're they're talking themselves into that they're farther along in their rebuild than they actually are i don't think that roster is that great overall it's not i think the nfc as a whole is just so bad that Bad rosters will slip through the cracks. <laughs> I mean, to give Dayball his due on that. That team remarkably overachieved um, mm-hmm. aside from that. I mean, sure. 
Like but, name like five players on that team. They're horrible. They're not horrible, but I, I could name five players on the Giants. Most people can't. <laughs> but but fifteen uh, touchdown passes to five interceptions. You know, that was Daniel Jones. what they're saying. That Daniel Jones threw fifteen touchdown passes to five interceptions. Fifteen touchdown passes is worth forty million a year. Oh, okay. To and be time, completely fair, you have to count his rushing. He had like seven hundred some yards and a, a smattering of touchdowns. Justin Fields ran for over a thousand yards, and we also agree that he's probably not that good. At least he threw more than fifteen touchdowns. Yeah. To to who? To I do. I will say this right now. It's got DJ I, do not, I do not give a damn how much your quarterback runs for because if he's running for a significant amount of yards, his clock is ticking already anyway. So if he can't throw, he ain't worth it. I agree. Daniel I Jones? Mean, how long can Justin Fields keep that up if he doesn't progress? How long passer? can Fields hurt Lamar? As sad as I, it is, how long did Cam? How long did Vic? They don't last long. And unless you can develop a great passing game like Randall Cunningham did later on, like we're starting to see signs of Lamar doing, I don't buy that you are worth the risk. Daniel Jones, of all of the players we've even mentioned, is by far the worst. By far. Yeah. Like, he's not even on the level of any of those guys. And he's not even as good at throwing the ball as any of those guys. I think Daniel Jones is a big bust, and I'm just shocked that the Giants did this. It makes no sense to me. Especially with a team like the Giants, who have throughout the franchise history are one of the more successful teams in the NFL. To to do this makes no sense to me. This was the year you take a risk. You capitalize off of your overachieving. You take a risk and you keep trying to capitalize and pushing forward. Instead, you just tied yourself to a regression, an obvious regression. It seems like they hit a really hard time since Eli Manning's departure and they came across something decent but not good and latched on to it in the form of well, Daniel Jones. Dude, and they came on hard times because they drafted Daniel Jones instead of a good player. <laughs> I'm just saying. Look, Hindsight, Haskins is obviously not any better. And, you know, rest in peace. It's really sad what happened to him. But Gardner Minshew would have been better. You can't tell me right now that Gardner Minshew hasn't been a more reliable player than Daniel Jones. He just hasn't played as much. And that's sad because Gardner Minshew is a top-tier backup. Being a top-tier starter. But there's a real conversation to be had of whether Gardner Minshew is just straight up better than Daniel Jones. And I think he is. I don't I'm even think gonna, that's a debate. 
I'm not going to talk myself into Gardner Minshew as much as you talk yourself into him, but um, I'm not going to also discount that. I, I'm just saying, look, Gardner Minshew is a back. I only say that because he's an entertaining backup. So I bring him up. You know, he has, he has the swag, like we were talking about Jimmy G, right? Mm-hmm. But Daniel Jones is probably not even a top-tier backup. He's a very, very average player who was overdrafted and now overpaid. And the Giants are – it's going to be a big regret. I don't think – I think this is the most obvious regret we're going to see over the next couple of years. One of the most obvious. Daniel Jones just isn't good. Yeah, I think ideally, like, at least it, it's easy being a, a couch GM, but ideally you would want to have franchise tagged him and then signed Saquon to something not super risky, but it seems like they backed themselves into a corner and did whatever they could to just keep both, which probably has them losing out. I would have let Daniel Jones walk. I think the quarterback, I think the quarterback class in agency isn't great, but I think it's not terrible. I don't think he's fetching anywhere near what he got with the Giants anywhere else. No, I don't think so. It's kind of an amusing thing. I think they could let him walk. Like they had the leverage and I think they overpaid anyway, which is just bad business. Like you let him walk, you let him test the market. A bad team offers him not as much as the Giants gave him. And then the Giants are like, well, we'll give you a couple more than that. And then they save themselves money or they let them walk. They sign someone like Teddy Bridgewater or Marcus Mariota, who are just clearly better, in my opinion, even though they are clearly flawed. They're just better than Daniel Jones. Both Teddy Bridgewater and Marcus Mariota are just straight up better than Daniel Jones. And I think they raise the giant ceiling, even though they themselves are mediocre. There yeah. was so many different options. They could have maybe thrown a flyer at Geno Smith. I know he resigned the Seahawks, but for the amount of money they paid Daniel Jones, wouldn't you rather have an outlier in Geno Smith? Because, you know, maybe more risky, but he threw more touchdowns last year than Daniel Jones did the last two seasons combined. 30, combined. Yeah. Combined. Yeah. Worth kicking that's the tires. In, that's insane. And you paid him more than Geno Smith's getting paid. Terrible move. Horrible move. Worst move of the offseason so far. Yeah, you'd be hard-pressed to... uh, I I know there's some fans out there probably, you know, talking themselves into that playoff performance, which I think was probably his best game. Uh, And, you know, dare I say that's going to be his peak. Hey, who cares? Yeah, after two yeah. years, you've seen We're enough of a quarterback to tell if he's good or not. And this is like, what? This is five years in. Daniel Jones isn't good. I, I yeah. saw enough two years ago to know that he wasn't good. Yeah. I I, I don't know if I'm going to say it's the worst move of the offseason, but I'm not going to argue against that. 
I don't I don't see one that's any worse besides maybe the Rams giving well, Jalen Ramsey for peanuts. But well, I mean that there's always time for teams this that are terrible and make stupid decisions to make an even worse one. So I'm giving that leeway. Other yeah, than but what that, what I can't even I can't contender. even I can't even see a worse one that's possible. Like what there's not even an overpay on the market left that I would say is worse than this. Like I don't I don't even see a a possible worse move than this. I don't just wait wait for the draft to come around. People are already making trades. You know, I think the only thing I was about to get to that. So the <laughs> only thing in my opinion that would? would be more devastating would be the Panthers taking Anthony Richardson first overall. Hey, you know, the or he, he's got a lot of upside, they say. <laughs> As a tight end, I, I say. Look, to me. His pro comp is Logan Thomas. It's not Cam Newton. What happened to People, Logan Thomas? <laughs> you can you can compare his physical stuff to Cam Newton. Say he's even a little bit more athletic. But there's there's here's a huge difference right here. Players before they enter the combine and during their combine performances are graded on a scale of one to ten. No one ever gets a one because this is the NFL, right? You wouldn't be in the position to be drafted and all this if you were a, a one, right? I'd be a one, right? But the average first overall quarterback grades at over a seven. The average first overall quarterback taken always grades at over a seven. The last one that didn't was Jared Goff at like a 6.8. Right, Cam Newton is great. This is also based on college tape, stuff like that. Cam Newton's grade was a seven point five. That's projected perennial Pro Bowler, right? Was it true? Yes, four-time Pro Bowler right out the gate, basically an MVP, Super Bowl appearance. Anthony Richardson's grade prior to his combine performance was a 5.8 after his combine performance was a 6.3 you're telling me a four point swing just off his athleticism when his grade was not good for a first round player let alone quarterback prior based off of his college tape no you mean the dude can't throw guy showing off his arm and chucking it downfield to a wide open receiver is not swaying your decision look i i told my uh, my grandfather-in-law this yesterday he's like well he looked good throwing at the combine i said Everybody i did does. not i i did not see a single quarterback who threw at the combine that looked bad every single one of them looked great i i never do i throwing ever. against air yeah, almost every single year, I I see no quarterback looking bad at the at the combine. None, they all none look ever do. They're all clearly and future Hall of Famers. Every single one. Like every you year. should be able to throw versus air, especially these days. You've been doing passing leagues since you were in high school. Like he's our age, you should be able to throw against air. Yeah. The problem uh, is. 
I watched three games. I watched three games of Anthony Richardson. Every play for three games. I watched his best performance, which was early in the year. I watched his worst, which was about midway through the year. The thing that struck out to me that even in his best performances, he misses the easy throws consistently. It's not like the offense is bad, whatever. It's college. Your offense isn't going to be an NFL offense unless you're playing for Alabama. That's it. Really. Or Georgia, I guess. Not even really. It's more of an NFL defense type scheme. But unless you're playing for Alabama, you're not really running pro schemes per se. So who gives a shit what offense it came from? Lamar Jackson came from the least the least close thing to an NFL offense I've ever seen. And look at him, he's good. I don't care. It's can you make the throws in your offense consistently? And the answer for Anthony Richardson was no. You can't make short throws consistently. You can't make medium throws consistently. It's a hell of a deep ball. I'll give him that. He's actually probably the best deep ball thrower in this class. But you can't make the easy throws. So who cares if you can make the the throws that you're going to throw 30% on in the pros, right? Mm -hmm. Deep balls are like very rare. You don't hit deep balls at over 50%, right? So, so what if you can in college, it's not going to happen in the NFL. It's not guys don't separate and get wide open deep all the time. It doesn't happen. So if you can't hit the easy throws, the guineas, like I watched, I watched a clip in one of the games where he rolls out of the pocket. There's literally a flat or a zig kind of route, right? That cuts in and then parallels Anthony Richardson's rollout along the goal line. It's wide open. It is a basically gimme touchdown. I I ran this in high school. I've literally thrown this pass before it is like an eight yard throw it is not far it is not hard for me who i say is a one if i was graded for the combine right i'm not draftable i've made this throw i watched him throw it into the dirt i did not need to watch anything more I said, this guy cannot play quarterback in the NFL. He can't. A throw that I personally made in high school. I get I was playing against high schoolers. This is college. But it's an eight-yard throw. There was no one around his target. No one. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. He's Logan Thomas. He's so raw and athletic that maybe there's upside. But look, Josh Allen is doing the NFL a huge disservice. Yeah, by being an ally. He is doing them such a big disservice because everyone wants the next Josh Allen. The thing about Josh Allen that people seem to forget is Two years prior, two years prior to his draft class, 
people were still talking about him as a future first round pick. Two years prior, I remember I tuned into Wyoming games. I did too. Well before his draft year, the year before his draft, because I knew who Josh Allen was. He was a premier prospect. He was risky-er, I guess, because he wasn't the most accurate. But it's not the level of inaccuracy you're seeing with Anthony Richardson. It's not on the same level. Josh Allen was inaccurate in college, but he also played at Wyoming. He played in a very poor offense. Like, Anthony Richardson is playing with SEC players, five-star recruits, fellow big first-round picks. Kadarius Toney was part of that team not too long ago. And he's still completing a low percentage of passes. It's not the same. Yeah, I was out on him pretty quickly. Um, Ironically, not long after, I I think you told me about him after his initial success last season. Uh, And then he he looked really good at first. I thought I was surprised. He was completing a really high percent early on, making great throws. And then he did you a, a disservice and, and immediately went downhill. And uh, then he looked terrible. Like, he looked genuinely awful. Don't get yeah, me started on Will Levis. That guy is just he, – he reminds me so much of Blake Bortles. I don't even know where to start. I don't know how the hype chain got started for him, but if him and Blake Bortles, it would be like the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other like i don't see it at all i think uh this is not exactly the same as last year of course because we think bryce young is a bona fide prospect uh, aside from mm. stature concerns i'll uh, i'll get and, to that i watched a and, lot uh, of him and stroud lately yeah and then stroud is, is stroud but in reference to Levis and Richardson, you think the hype exceeds what NFL teams actually think of those two? Because I'm kind of getting that impression. Like Definitely. last year, we were, we were thinking, will Malik Willis go to like the Panthers or in the first round? And Here, NFL teams saw it vastly differently. And they were right. Is, this is an indicator to me. If Peter King says that a team loves this player, stay away from that player, and teams usually do. Because Peter King is a guy who's made his career off of exceptionally hot takes and is usually never right. So a report came out like yesterday that the Panthers are in love with Anthony Richardson. I said, thank God we're not drafting Anthony Richardson. (laughs) Because Peter King just said it. You know what I also saw, like, immediately after they, they made that trade, only a, a flurry of reports came out. That of Stroud. They were looking at Stroud, yeah. And, and that's how I knew, it. like, immediately, okay, they're, they're, they're actually taking Bryce Young. <laughs> and it's not just to say, oh, I see all these reports, so they're clearly doing the opposite. But, like, where is that coming from? 
and and what's the motivation behind that and why specifically Stroud who's been linked to teams like the Raiders to um like I I, I just don't get where that came from I'm gonna it kill seems a lot like of a classic smokescreen you think as a Panthers fan I'd be happy for this position but I'm not I love the Frank Reich hire I thought I literally, as soon as Frank Reich got fired from the Colts midseason, I texted our football group chat, and I was like, I want the Panthers to hire. Fuck Matt Rule. We can go back and find the receipts. I instantly said, I want Frank Reich. Great hire. I loved the hire. I think Frank Reich's a great coach. I do not think the NFL loves this QB class as much as the media does. I also don't think... I don't think they do I think, either. I think it's similar to last year. I don't think there's as many question marks with the top two guys as there was, as there were last year. Like, I think Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are by far better prospects than Kenny Pickett, but I think Kenny Pickett would be the third best prospect in this draft. Yeah, I mean, he, he actually looked okay. Like, barring anything it he didn't look like a train wreck so he looks okay in the raider game but overall he looked pretty bad in my opinion (laughs) he looked pretty poor um that's another conversation Uh, i just i just think kenny pickett's pretty pretty mediocre i don't see him being a good starter but we'll get into that when we preview the season i'm sure um Bryce Young, stop comparing him to Kyler Murray. There's no similarities other than them being undersized. Don't compare him to Russell Wilson. There's no similarities other than them being undersized. Well, they're just literally taking the most striking superficial aspects. Exactly. It's only a superficial comparison. If you want to look at Bryce Young and you want to give, you want to see an accurate representation of who he plays like, It's it's sort of, and I say this uh, with respect to Bryce Young, but trying to be as realistic as I possibly can, Bryce Young reminds me of Tua. You think so? I Definitely. I haven't heard that one. I was kind of curious. The arm talent is similar. I think they're they're around Matt Ryan's level arm talent right enough to make every throw but you're not going to take people over the top very consistently um sometimes it's just you're not going to be able to split the seam versus cover three all the time you're not going to be able to hit those deep passes against cover two against the sideline it's not going to happen with Bryce Young. he's like Tua in that regard or Matt Ryan He moves better than Tua, but he is smaller, so you'd expect him to be a little faster, right? Hmm. But prior to Tua's hip injury, I think Tua wasn't that far away from him in terms of athleticism. I think that kind of robbed him a lot of his uh, outside-the-pocket playmaking, which is what I liked about Tua's prospect. He had a little bit of an Aaron Rodgers hip flex and wrist flick and off 
uh, kilter kind of throwing thing. Bryce Young doesn't have that aspect. He's not good when he's throwing off his back foot, when his feet aren't set. He is good at resetting his feet in the pocket. He's good at staying in the pocket despite his size. Most guys like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, even Tua, right? You can consider Tua probably a little undersized, I'd say. They they like to move outside the pocket a little bit. They're not always that comfortable between the big bodies. I think Bryce Young, despite being the smallest of the bunch, is actually probably the most comfortable in the pocket. But he's never played against NFL defensive linemen who are a lot bigger on average than college defensive linemen. The pocket's going to seem way larger in general. Your offensive linemen are a lot bigger. I mean, Alabama has about NFL linemen, but in general, it's it's not going to be – I can't rely on him to be as comfortable in an NFL pocket as he is in college. Although I was I was happy to see that. You know, he understands leverage in the pocket, when to step up, when to, to drift to the sides. He likes he has to a good sense right. of things. Um, to me, I think he it's gonna it's gonna be a big adjustment going to the NFL. I think for him, the speed is a lot different. I think it's because his arm talent isn't what you normally see out of the top quarterback prospect in a class. He there's going to be some bad plays, some really bad plays from him, his rookie year. Uh, just catching up to the speed, not being able to just throw it a half second late uh, or relying on your stud Alabama wide receivers versus whatever corners. It's that's not, he's not going to have that leeway. So it makes it tough to evaluate Alabama quarterbacks in that regard. Um, I think the floor for him is pretty low. I think he could be pretty bad. I think guys like Seneca Wallace come to mind. When I think of undersized, weak-armed, athletic, but not Seneca Wallace drafted No, no, he was not. And for good reason, he was 5'10". I don't even know if he was remember. Drafted. Actually, I just remember him being the only quarterback in Madden I've ever seen with like a seventy-eight throw power. Like I don't, I don't rating. I, that was that was an older Seneca Wallace, but I think like if you want to talk in terms of like Madden ratings, right? I think Bryce Young's going to come out like oh. eighty-eight throw power, eighty-four speed, right? And if you're if you've played Madden, you're not really excited about those measurables when you're drafting, right? Seneca so Wallace it really is drafted by the Seahawks in the fourth round. Oh, that was a bad 2003 NFL draft. He was now a high school, their assistant high school football coach. Mm. Just a little bit of trivia there. Uh, do you think that the Panthers are drafting Bryson? I'm I'm it's not quite sure clear that to from me what they gave up that they're taking a quarterback aside from yeah. the fact that we all think they're desperate. Um to me, I think Stroud fits what Frank Reich is more familiar with. 
Uh, Stroud, to me, I'm going to burst a little bit of what was here as well. Stroud reminds me a lot of Jared Goff. A lot of Jared Goff. They're so similar. Stroud has a little bit more athleticism outside the pocket. But overall, I mean, outside of the Georgia game, Stroud's just not very creative on the fly. He's really not. I think that was an emphasis during the Georgia game because they had no choice. They had to kind of be like, we need you to be more proactive because you're facing an NFL defense, basically. <laughs> so yeah. maybe that's a maybe that's a good sign. I mean, um, I think the consensus seems to be that if you watch that game, you really can talk yourself into. Um, I into watched him. it. I and watched you it. love you love CJ Stroud if you watch that game. And I I was I remember watching that game. And seeing him do all the things that I didn't think he could do, um, hallmarked I think by from that creativity. Class, but every other game, you know, you just don't see what you saw in that that one. I, I think of every quarterback in that class, that performance was the single best performance of any of the prospects by far. It was incredible. Yeah. I know, like, look, Bryce Young's won a Heisman. You know, uh, I'm not going to take that away from him, obviously. He's a, he's a talented college player. But when you're evaluating for the NFL, it's a whole nother, like, it's a whole nother thing. And I see the upside of Bryce Young possibly being by far the best quarterback in this class. But the most important trait for me is arm talent. I think accuracy can be coached. Although you want to, you want to have a, a baseline for it, right? You don't want to be a guy completing, let's say less than 58% of your passes in college, because at a certain point, mechanics are just so flawed. You're on Tim Tebow levels or like, you're just never, you're not a natural thrower right you can be a natural thrower and just not accurate in college you know like mm -hmm. your plays aren't drawn up well you're on a shitty team so you get a lot of drops stuff like that happens but the most important thing in my eyes are throw power like velocity on your passes and accuracy and how you play under pressure i think Bryce Young and DJ Shroud are sort of on the same level when it comes to playing under pressure. Both of them don't, didn't see it that often, to be fair. Uh, for the most part, their offensive lines kept them off their backs. I mean, they had some of the best offensive lines in college football. Makes sense. Um, their accuracy is kind of hard to judge sometimes because they're throwing to five-star recruits on the outside consistently every year. Mm -hmm. uh, so what it comes down to for me is the arm talent. And I think CJ Stroud just clearly has a much better NFL level arm than Bryce Young. And yeah, you don't have agree. the size concern. No, he's pretty prototypical. You don't have the size concern. Well, I think he's, he's ideally, his ceiling is more of a Jared Goff plus. CJ Shrouds, like he's a Jared Goff plus a little more probably, 
you know, a little more athleticism, a little more arm talent. But he's very similar. I mean, that's, at the end of the day, Jared Goff made a Super Bowl, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. I, I'm not it, – it just – this class to me feels a little underwhelming for the amount of hype it's getting overall. And I think there's some clear risks no matter who you go with. I mean, can you expect Bryce Young, even if he is really good out the gate, to like last four or five seasons at a high level with that size getting battered around? I mean, look, you don't, you do not want someone with that small frame putting on such a significant amount of weight because then you're losing what gives him that extra edge over the other prospects in the first place, right? If you're, if you're putting on 30 pounds on a Bryce weight small frame, he's not going to be as fast. He's not going to be as agile. You don't want to take that away from him. What makes him good. But at the same time, if he doesn't put on that weight, I can't, I can't expect to see this guy who's an inch taller than me last more than six seasons in the NFL at the hardest position. Yeah. They really did round down this height, didn't they? (laughs) I mean, Uh, like, uh, Alabama's like he's six foot, and NFL Combine's like actually he's five ten. Uh, he's two inches shorter than his Alabama listed height. That is that is pretty crazy. It, there was a a lot of them. I sent you that I believe that graphic that I don't know like six players had their heights adjusted at the Combine. I, th- I think uh, Alabama just mo- doesn't care. They probably just go off whatever the player says. Because, like, okay, a couple of them were, like, half an inch or an inch. But, like, four, I think three or four of them were two inches or more. Like a, I remember a I saw the lineman was, uh, like, two inches taller. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> and Bryson was two inches shorter. Um, yeah. So, I guess they, like, took two here, put two there, you know. Um, but, okay, hear me out. And here's a crazy hypothetical that's, that's not at all a real suggestion. but if the Panthers were to draft Price Young, they could also later on draft Tanner McKee from Stanford, who is the complete opposite size-wise at 6'6", um, 230. Tanner McKee is kind of a Frank Reich prototypical guy. I mean, you got to think Frank Reich's worked with Philip Rivers as the main guy, the best player he's worked with, right? Like mm-hmm. he basically cultivated a lot of Philip Rivers throughout Philip Rivers becoming a borderline Hall of Fame player. Um, and then moved on to the Eagles and made Carson Wentz look like an MVP. Then got his gig with the Colts. He uh, unfortunately only got one year of Andrew Luck which was definitely the best quarterback he's ever had. But there, there's a trend. Like, he brought in Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers came back, right? Carson Wentz came back. All these guys are 6'4 or taller pocket-passing quarterbacks with above-average arms, except for Matt Ryan in that arm category. It's probably why it didn't work out so well. Um, Frank Wright's system is a vertical passing scheme it is at its heart 
it's a lot of uh there's a lot of seven step drops there's a lot of boots like there's a lot of uh plays that are basically drawn up for sitting in the pocket longer than the average nfl scheme that's not to say that it's bad i mean look for every tom brady you get the ball out in half a second you know there's a bunch of schemes that are successful like the packers over the past decades with not only rogers but far getting the ball out in double time uh the chiefs are a good example of this the chiefs sprinkle in their little dump offs and their uh like pitches and their little uh screen passes but if you actually break down their pass plays that aren't like rpo type plays they hold on to the ball like they they develop and throw down the field they do deep crossers plays that take two three seconds to develop sometimes i think that's a lot of what makes Frank Wright who he is as an offensive mind. And I don't think Bryce Young fits that scheme as well as DJ Stroud. I, I kind of am starting to believe that the Panthers are going for CJ Stroud. Interesting. Who knows? Well, they're definitely going for one of the two. Is I, think what it, I think it's the best sure. fit. I think it makes the most sense. I think it still gives you the, the pizzazz, right? Because CJ Stroud's well-known. It, so it appeases the owner. It's not as risky as Bryce Young. It may not have as high a ceiling as Bryce Young, but it's also easier to just slot CJ Stroud in right away and expect him to be able to play. You think CJ Stroud, though, perception-wise, is worth trading up all that? Or do you I think don't. the Panthers can get away well, with it just because they're like, we're desperate? I think that division's pretty bad. That if CJ Stroud is solid his rookie year, we could realistically win that division. I think the Saints uh, are the best team by far right it. now. Uh, I, I think the Saints are the best All team right. by far right now, but I don't think yeah. Dennis Allen's a good coach by any stretch of the imagination. The, the Buccaneers are really talking themselves in a cow trask right now. Good for them. That's going to be a disaster. <laughs> Okay, uh, do, do I'm not take, worried like, about a, that at all. A small like bet that Kyle Trask might be better than Anthony Richardson. It's a risky one, but like, um, if if we're if he is Logan Thomas, you know, mm, like Kyle, no, Trask, Kyle, Trask, Kyle Trask reminds me. I like the more of, Florida. I'll be honest with you, like a Charlie Whitehurst. You know, clipboard Jesus. <laughs> but did did clipboard Jesus ever throw forty three touchdowns and eight interceptions in a season? That was in college, so I don't care what he did. So that's in the <laughs> SEC, which is our argument for for other guys. <laughs> it's my argument for why it's hard to evaluate sometimes, like in terms of Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, and it's my argument for why. Anthony Richardson should be throwing at a higher clip and why Will, uh, what's his name? Will Livis should have thrown more than 20 touchdowns if he was even good. But that's also the point of saying that you're in the SEC, you're surrounded by the cream of the crop. You should look good if you're in the SEC. 
if you don't, it's concerning. That doesn't mean you're good. It just means you should look good. At a certain point, Kyle Trask just doesn't have the arm for the NFL. His arm is mediocre at best, and he's big and immobile. I don't see it. I think the dude is a backup quarterback at best. Yeah, who knows? He might be better than Daniel Jones. That That's not a very <laughs> high bar. <laughs> but, he, you know, I, I think Stroud is the most riskless option. I think his floor is about Jason Campbell, which isn't very good, but it's not the worst of the worst. I don't think it's worth what we gave up. But then again, I'll say this about DJ Moore. Although I thought he was underrated at points when he be, he kind of flipped the script and became a little overrated based off of what he's done the last couple of years. Uh, the most concerning thing to me about DJ Moore is his below average catch percentage. And it's not like, I mean, look, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, PJ Walker, like those aren't the cream of the crop of quarterback, right? But I, I know I can rely on Teddy Bridgewater to be accurate. Sam Darnold's issues weren't accuracy. They were decision-making as a whole. He was fairly accurate. I mean, there's a reason the Niners signed him today, right? Mm. Um, PJ Walker, I don't even think it's worth discussing. He's just not good. <laughs> but I don't think Justin Fields is going to be like light years more accurate, especially not more than Teddy Bridgewater. So I don't think uh, DJ Moore's a seamless fit in Chicago by any stretch of the imagination. I think he has below average hands, but above average uh, athleticism. So he's more in the vein of a uh, uh, I, I don't know, like he's more in the vein of a Darius Hayward Bay than he is uh, like a true number one receiver. He's better than Darius Hayward Bay. Right? But you know, he, he is in that mold. He's a guy with below average hands who's exceptionally fast and quick and agile. He reminds me a lot of Mike Wallace. I think Mike Wallace is better. But he reminds me a lot of him. And we, while Mike Wallace was good at points, he was never considered one of the best receivers in the league. So I, I don't mind giving up DJ Moore for the first overall pick. I just wish it wasn't this season because I'm not happy with the class of quarterbacks overall. And honestly, like I, I, I'm not gonna go ahead and we have touted DJ Moore and I, I, I like him, and I think I, I like he's him, yeah. valuable receiver. Will he be twenty million dollars valuable? No, arguably, <laughs> I, I would, I would lean toward no. Uh, will he look that part on Chicago? 
even more arguably no. Because um, you're also assuming that Fields is going to improve. And, and don't get me wrong, I like the gamble on Chicago's part. They could be setting themselves up pretty nice. But it's still a gamble. Um, and they haven't exactly shown that they can make that happen. So uh, on the other hand, um, there's not really any great receivers that Carolina can really grab <laughs> draft-wise or free agency-wise. So drafting a quarterback and then like not really having anyone to throw to is not going to be great. I think Terrence Marshall, Marshall Jr. really started to come along last year. I, I like him a lot, actually. But is that um, who you want your number one overall pick? That you gave up all this to be throwing primarily. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to be the only guy. I think they're going to bring other guys. There's guys like Adam Thielen on the market, right? Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think they're going to go after Adam Thielen, but I, I'm not like there, say there's it. guys that can fill out an NFL receiving core. Robbie Anderson's but also not a free agent. I can see him coming back. Yeah, but enough to get a young guy acclimated. Um, I'm not. I'm not too worried about receiver. I'm obviously way more worried about quarterback. It's the number one concern. You know, yeah, all yes, all all our rookie QBS shows flashes, and then that's when we bring in the weapons for him, right? That is completely fair. That the only point I was was making on that was that it's just not a great year to lose a receiver because there's not really any on the market. But yeah, um, I think wide receivers and fairly easy to find to, in the draft to see what you have with who you're drafting before you surround him or commit in that way, then that's plausible. I also think uh, Scott Frederer, our GM, is very good at finding value. So I, I, I'm I, not – obviously, we're going to draft a receiver. I, you know, that's a no-brainer. We're going to draft probably a couple receivers. So just depends who we end up getting. I, but I just don't think there's any good ones, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, there, uh, there's a lot of there's like always guys that don't project really of, well end up being good. There's a lot of number two and number three guys. Um, but yeah, uh, that's perhaps for another day. My thing about DJ Moore is I think at a certain point he was underappreciated and underrated because he put together four thousand yard seasons in a row. He, he was sort of quarterback proof in a way. Mm. Um, aside from the catch percentage, which was concerning, which was which is something me and Cameron talked about on the podcast before, yeah. where he was kind of due for a regression due to his. Do you low think catch the Panthers are, are actually ahead of the curve on that potentially? Definitely. I, and, he, and we're we're just taking our our debt reactions like, oh my god, why would you trade him? Um, I think and actually took, they uh, see that regression coming in a way. It took people a long time to catch on that he was good. But then they started to kind of overvalue him. Kind of what naturally happens. The media is usually pretty late to the party, right? I'm gonna say that I will I will give the Panthers this and that they're selling high on him. They're not selling low on him. So and it feels counterintuitive. I think all trades they might can... actually be making the right move, even though it doesn't feel right. I, I wouldn't say it doesn't feel right. Look, my stance on a trade, any trade, goes for any trade. It could even go for the Jalen Ramsey trade, right? What if Jalen Ramsey has a career-ending injury next year? Then the Rams look great, right? Whatever. 
I mean, it looked better. I don't know. If I don't think great, it's but. fair to look at any trade before it before the actual players start playing, before the draft pick is decided, because everything looks good in a vacuum. You can make all the opinions you want, but until we see it, how it plays out, who knows? Say we draft Bryce Young, say we draft Stroud, whoever. If they're a stud, two first-round picks and DJ Moore looks great for the Panthers. Who cares? You gave up DJ Moore and two first-round picks for a franchise quarterback? Great. No one's going to be looking at that as a bad trade. So I don't think it's fair to judge any trade until it's played out. Could be fair. I mean, if you look back on the most infamous trade, well, one of the most infamous trades, others are arguably a different one, um, with the Raiders and Cleo Mack, I mean, Khalil Mack didn't really end up working out for the Bears all too well either, did he? But the Raiders just was, blew it with not drafting well. That was one of the those curious moves where I I honestly think if the Raiders would have just kept him, that would have been the best scenario for literally everybody, including Khalil Mack. Like they, he he did fine on the Bears. Was he as good as he was on the Raiders? No. Was nope. he bad? No. Did they and win now anything? He's on his also, no. And now he's in the Chargers. He's still pretty solid, but is he like a diff- needle mover, really? Arguable. Um, no. And definitely declining. But, and, and now I think he's on the Chargers. Did make a really good run defender. And, but on the Raiders' hand, they totally like, they just missed on all the picks they got in return. Did you see who the Chargers signed today? Who they signed today? Former Viking. I thought it was a really good move. I'm not going to lie. I thought, I think it's a needle mover. I, I really like okay. it. Um, I want you to see it. I don't want to spoil it. Okay, I know Eckler demanded a trade, so that's potentially a huge L for them. Uh, Eric Kendrick. Yeah. Thank you. Very good. I think it's a it was a big undervalued. I like that move a lot for the Chargers. I will say that. I I, yeah, it's it's not flashy, but it's definitely it's not definitely an eagle move for them. Um that that'll solve the Chargers. They are uh, they're again the, the team of June coming up. They're they're contender this year. Um, that that's that's what we say every year, but I'll it's especially it, true this year. Even though we said it last year, because they signed I'll Eric Hendricks, they're going to the Super Bowl. Um, even if they lose that, Austin Eckler, they're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I uh, I'm nervous about the. The Panthers pick, obviously. Ideally, my whole ideal scenario was kind of kick the tire for another year and just sign some entertaining yet mediocre players so that we guarantee we're in a position to draft Caleb Williams. Mm. See, now I'm I'm somewhat thrilled on that because I feel like I'm my team's actually in a better position than yours on that. 
Um, yeah, look, the, the most ideal situation for the Raiders is Josh McDaniels gets fired. They're terrible. Yeah. They get Caleb Williams. Boom. Okay. Okay, call me like I, – I don't even know. But my whole stance, and it's perhaps just overly negative, is just that there's no way in hell we're competing in that division with Patrick Mahomes for as long as he's there. So my deal is that if you're not drafting Patrick Mahomes, we're not going to contend. So just scrap everybody, sell off the veterans, well, fire I mean, Josh Daniels, and, I just, disagree. and just accumulate. Look, I mean, I think the Chargers and the Broncos took up uh, different yet equally good approaches, in my opinion. The Broncos went after a proven Super Bowl winner and a future Hall of Famer, or the Chargers drafted a really young, uh, good player. Okay, but it, it are they challenging? No, but are they challenging? Uh, the, the Broncos, we'll see. Um, but the Chargers have been there. Are they challenging the, Bron- the Chiefs in, in the playoffs? Um, but the only team that seems that they that can do that is the Bengals, and I don't think they'll do that consistently. Uh, and there's something to the be Bengals. said. There's something to be said for teams that inexplicably have another team's number. Well, look, and that's the what the Bengals we... generally have. But that I expect them to occasionally beat the Chiefs. Oh, look, but. The reason we talk so much shit on the Chargers is because they are underachievers, not because they're not loaded with talent. I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, if I'm looking at the Chargers roster versus most teams in the NFL, the Chargers, talent-wise, are a top-five team in the league, right? We only give them shit because they underachieve. I I don't think that they're doing bad at their rebuild, though. I think, if anything, their approach has probably been the best of the Dolphins, of all these teams that are sort of starting to come out of that rebuilding mode. The Chargers did it, did it the best, in my opinion. I just don't believe in their coach, and I think that's what it comes down to. And they're cheap with their training staff, so it leads to a lot of injuries every year. Their owner overall is just a cheap guy and doesn't pay for the best, so they don't perform the best. That's kind of what it comes down to with them. But if you actually look yeah. at what they did i think they should be competing with the chiefs they realistically can be better than the chiefs if certain hurdles were overtaken like finding a new owner (laughs) actually hiring an offensive coach you know like or or even not even necessarily an offensive coach if you went for robert sala let's say over butt face in in la right now (laughs) <laughs> I think the Chargers probably they don't lose to the Jaguars in the playoffs. Look, I love Trevor Lawrence, you know, but like, look, if they had a competent coach, they are not losing that game. No way. Yeah. They had a losing ridiculous that game. Losing that game, in my opinion, and that should be a, a warm yeah, fireball offense. That was not even a warm opinion. That was, I think, generally acceptable. And, and still, and, and I think the only reason, or, or perhaps there's two reasons, 
that Staley is still there is because the owner is cheap, and that's the main reason. And number mm-hmm. two, he just sounds good in those press conferences. But he sounds like he knows what he's doing. He doesn't. He He's weighing over his head, especially with the level of talent he has. He'd be a great politician. Um, you know? Sounds great. But I, I think – and look, the Broncos rebuild was delayed – derailed due to the worst hire ever possibly look yeah i said right out the gate nathaniel hackett can't coach he's not a good coach can't coach at all we cannot actually evaluate what he brings to the table because of Aaron Rodgers. it was not a good hire by any any like measure right so but typically typically the Broncos are pretty damn good every year. I mean, what they're number two when it comes to Super Bowl appearances all time. They're yeah. the Broncos They've are usually made like really good. what 15% or 17% of all Super Bowls. So <laughs> you bring in Russell Wilson, the best quarterback they've had since Sean Elway, or I guess Peyton Manning. I sorry about that. I totally forgot about Peyton Manning. Wow. Best quarterback they've had you're since you're gonna Peyton set the internet on fire. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my bad. That was a brain fart. But look, Russell Wilson. He had a bad year, but you just hired Sean Payton. Sean Payton, in my opinion, is one of, if not, no, he's not. But he's top three greatest offensive minds in the history of the sport. He revolutionized modern passing and what you could do. And basically using short passing as an extension of your run game. Sean Payton is basically the architect of how the modern NFL is so pass-heavy because of what he started with Drew Brees. It's it's pretty obvious Russell Wilson's going to bounce back. I don't think he's necessarily going to throw 43 touchdowns like he did a couple of years ago, but because um, uh, obviously he doesn't have the weapons he had in Seattle. Yeah. But and I, I, like, I like the direction they're headed. I think per, perfect coach hire. That's the only guy I would rather have than Frank Reich in Carolina. But, of course, Sean, Sean Payne would never come to Carolina. Why would he? <laughs> um, but I like it. I like it. I, think I like the direction the Broncos are going. I think they're starting to get a little thin on defense, but they still have some really key good players. I think Patrick Sertain is not even close to his ceiling. I think he can be a lot better. He's, and he's, he's getting there. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. They spent the most money this for agency so far, tentatively, with the tampering window opening today. I, they they are by by far the highest figure. Uh, overall, I like I like the direction they're taking with their rebuild. Right, they're they're going balls to the wall too to get beat the Chiefs. And if I'm not mistaken, they they've spent some two hundred plus million total. Not for this year alone, but in total contract figures. So Jeez. they're they're trying. No, no, I, <laughs> I really I can't trying either. You know, like uh, I think Champagne's great. I I'm not I'm not ready to say that the Broncos are gonna win that division all the time. No way. You know, I think it's a coin flip every year, depending on whatever goes on. You know, I could buy uh, into the narrative that. That Russell's going to turn around to a oh, notable definitely. degree, and that they're going I mean, to what? He threw substantially. He threw like ten touchdowns last year. Of course, of course, he's going to be better than that. 
it's I mean he has a Hall of Fame coach that could be in the Hall of Fame right now like Sean Payton's going to be in the Hall of Fame like he will have a bust in Canton that is undeniable Sean Payton turned Drew Brees from an average player into a Hall of Fame player Drew Brees was not highly regarded before coming to New Orleans the dude was average in San Diego he relied on LaDainian Tomlinson they're like he had an issue with his shoulder torn rotator cuff people didn't even think he was even going to be anything after that people were writing him off thinking he might have to retire soon like Sean or like Chad Pennington because it was that severe of a shoulder injury Sean Payton turned Drew Brees into a Hall of Famer Drew Brees was not even near that level until Sean Payton Russell Wilson has never worked with an offensive guy like Sean Payton. Never. He had Pete Carroll, like Pete Carroll, military-esque kind of leadership kind of guy who likes to bring in, in his guys, who Russell Wilson is more of that carefree kind of attitude. He's more of a down-to-earth kind of guy. It doesn't really work with that, that uh, rigid structure that he had up in Seattle. Again, it's also why I don't think Hackett worked because Hackett was kind of trying to be that rigid, I know everything kind of guy. I, I didn't that, manage the game clock. Yeah, that's that's why I didn't think it was a good fit in the first place. But Sean Payton is very similar to Russ in how he presents himself. He's very down earth, jokes a lot. I think they're very compatible on a personal level. And I think that's going to translate to the field. Um, now, that, all I... Oh, sorry. Wilson had 3,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 picks. Mm, yeah, no, definitely going to improve from that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, it got pretty... better once Hackett left, right? That was an indicator right there. Well, so. you know, if anything, they're off of their quarterback room just got another little boost today. But yeah, they stole Jarrett Stidham. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two years, ten million. Nice little payday for him. Um. Yeah, yeah. That's that's whatever. Uh, how um, would you like to get five million dollars a year for playing a little bit, building up your value, and then holding a clipboard? I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't knock him. He was a five-star high school quarterback. Do you know that? I did not know that. He was the number one quarterback coming out of high school in his class. Wow. Yeah. I mean, those those guys typically just kind of drag their feet in the league for a while, even if they they do nothing. So, yeah. not entirely surprising. <laughs> uh, um, you uh, you want a hot take right now? Okay. I think Sam Darnold is going to play the most snaps at quarterback for the 49ers next year. Is that where he signed? Mm-hmm. I saw him sign somewhere, but... I, I, I think he'll really... actually look kind of okay. Oh, he did. Oh, you know what? I believe I don't think I don't think Brock Purdy... I think he's... Oh, he's significantly overachieved. <laughs> 
but I think he's obviously he's probably gonna go in as a starter next year, right? Um, I think he's gonna put probably get off to a rough start. Now there's tape on him. He's not the most uh, well endowed, you could say, in terms of talent for the NFL. Um, so regression is obvious as you know expected. I think the Niners are smart. I think uh, Trey Lance, who knows how far along he is in his rehab or how that's going. And he's obviously has his issues anyway. Okay. I I will say Trey Lance, I think it's going to be a bust. Sam Darnold has, they bought him low. He has nothing to lose. He has the pedigree. He's a very good fit for what Kyle Shanahan likes to do yeah. in offense. And then on Brock Purdy, I hope he's good. We don't know for sure. No, he looked good okay. last year. There's some reservations. Also complicating the matter is the nature of that injury that he did or that he had. The, the I, I just think he's uh, is the he's type of injury. Jones mold. I, but like that particular injury in that big of a moment is the kind that kind of derails you potentially. I agree. And so I, it's hard. I won't discount that that, like the car injury, he was fine. He broke his leg. He was not fine. Oh, car, car looked like he was a future Super Bowl winner before yeah. the leg injury. And then became like, immediately a shell. I know I joked around earlier saying that you should never speak the Raiders going to the Super Bowl ever, but they were there was that year. there was realistic buzz that people were like, "Car's the type of quarterback that could win a Super Bowl." Then he snapped his leg. That was the thing. No one ever said that again. And and it happened at such a critical moment in his rise that I think it stunted him. Like, or I don't think I'm pretty sure it's agreed upon. Um, and, but. I'm not saying Purdy's injury is that, but that's the kind of scenario where that comes into play. You also have to think uh, he threw on that shoulder he, and he re-entered the game, which is not good, right? Obviously, for his health, <laughs> first of all. Well, like for... the NFL got much needed flack for having that rule where he couldn't carry the emergency, the emergency quarterback. Uh, um, because they literally had nobody else to throw in. Um, but that's for another day. Yeah, that battle's already been fought. <laughs> and we're also comparing guys who are on just severely different talent levels. Like Derek Carr had the talent of a first-round quarterback, right? He had a cannon coming into the league. He was pretty mobile, like a big, a good frame for the NFL, a pedigree with his brother being the first overall pick. His concern was more of what the system he came out of in college. So he went in the second round. Brock Purdy was the last pick of the draft for a reason. How much do you want to pedigree? Like just wager that if a Derek Carr was coming out this year, like there's no way he's going anywhere outside the top 10. Oh, no way. Yeah. It's yeah. it's so bizarre to think that well he actually Carr... did go in the second round, and that's how far I think our views collectively on quarterbacks and systems that they come out of and whatnot. Is Carr shifting. was twenty fourteen, right? Yeah. So that 
I'm trying to think who was the top guy that draft. I don't know. Was the next it, uh, year you had Jameis and, and Marietta. Yeah, that was 2015. Oh, yeah. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Yeah. Right? I think so. Blake Bortles, Johnny Mazzell, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, yeah. And it's absurd. Derek Carr probably would go first guys, overall. In all hindsight. of those guys had, <laughs> had much larger concerns. It's it's kind of an anomaly, really. I never saw the Johnny Menzel NFL. No. Like Merritt. He was undersized, not a good arm. Obviously, he wasn't good in structure, right. which he, that's a huge red flag. <laughs> he's playing um, fan-controlled football now. You can call his plays if you want on your on your smartphone. Just, just QB draw every time. <laughs> You know, I called one and he threw a touchdown. On your play? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's kind of well, cool. Well, okay. It's not like a single person actually calls them. It's like, oh, a you vote. have to vote. Oh, okay. But one I voted for and it was a close call. Um, he threw a touchdown. That's cool. And then they proceeded to um, email me constantly. You know, it's, it's kind of sad that. He not only obviously flamed out in the NFL, but he flamed out in the Canadian League. He did. He made headlines. It is kind of cool. He does get down with the fans pretty well where he's at. Um, Seems to have been humbled quite a lot, but yeah, it is what it is. That being said, that draft was was bonkers. Yeah. Raiders well, look like they're setting themselves up for for sustained success. Dare I say? Speaking speaking of the draft, since uh, we did last year, we talked about. I think uh, we did a mock draft, and we had certain highlights on different positions leading up to that mock draft. I think uh, you want you want to do that this year as well. Yeah, I'm down for that. Okay. I think it's only it's only nat- natural we start with quarterback probably the most yeah, to talk one. about for sure. It's, that's the one that that everyone wants to see. Yeah, I think a receiver will be a good one too since there's a lot of uncertainty and not a lot of big names this year. It's yeah, it's the kind of class that I think the theme of it's going to be. We don't love any of these guys. But there, there's, there's a, a lot of like solid lot. options. Um, I don't think really... there's a number one aside from maybe the TCU guy, Quinn Johnson. But yeah, I don't I, even I think, really uh, care for him a whole lot. Jackson, Jackson, Jigba. How do you, however you pronounce Jackson his name? Jackson uh, Jigba. Yeah, at Ohio State. I, yeah. I really, I, I like really, him. really like the comp to. Uh, um, Julian Edelman, I think it's fairly accurate. I do too. Actually. I just don't think he's the guy that you want as your number one guy. He's not. I he's nowhere he, near a Jamar Chase level guy coming in, or no, even a Jefferson. He, or he wouldn't play the same role, though. So I, I wouldn't really compare the two. To me, I mean, you can you can have a small guy like that as that, your number one. We've seen that it with Wes Walker, you, Julian Edelman. Um, that tells you we, the quality of the class, though. That that's the best guy. 
I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's the best guy. I haven't really dove deep into wide receiver tape yet, but to me, he's the guy who stands out initially. But there, there's always those guys that I would just kind of like fall in love with, especially at skill position players like running back or receiver. There's always a guy I'm like, oh. I like last year for about... me was Traylon Burks. Yeah, <laughs> which didn't didn't fare well, but uh, in in semi fairness, um, I don't think Malik Willis threw the ball more than ten times when he started. <laughs> yeah, I th- there's no way you can truly evaluate him. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, in in a slight tangent from that, get on the Panthers for their pick last year. <laughs> Not picking Malik Willis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I actually uh, I think uh, Icky is uh, a beast. So. <laughs> yeah, that that was perhaps quite quite the decision. That's uneventful, but. Um, they did what they. they it was it was the it was the smart pick. He he's a really good player. I think it set us up good for now needing a quarterback and yeah, not he's gonna, having to make a rash pick. He's gonna really need to protect Bryce Young from all those big scary off or defense line they coming his way. Or Stroud. Or Stroud. <laughs> or or Stroud. I, look, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be unhappy with either of them i'm leaning stroud because i just like the fit better and bryce young just has more obvious concerns mostly due to his size and whether or not he'll be able to stay healthy at that size (laughs) um but uh i wouldn't be unhappy the only the only way i freak out and i'm pissed is if we go anthony richardson because i just don't think he's good and i do that I would be pissed, that's, yeah. Bro, that's probably going to be one of the worst flameouts we're going to see in a long time. I think whatever team ties themselves to this guy, you can't you can't move him to tight end because you took him in the first round. It's not like Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was like a sixth-round pick, right? You can't so move a guy like you take in the first. Right? No, Logan Thomas was picked late by the Cardinals. But because he is so raw, right? But if you take a guy in the first – you can't move oh, the wide receiver. Fourth round. Or, or right in between. Oh, fourth. You, you can't move Cardinals him. Up. Yeah. You can, with Bruce Arians, actually. You yeah. cannot move a first rounder to another position. You can't. The publicity, the backlash, the like the commitment you made taking him in the first, if you do that, like, you know, God bless any team that takes Anthony Richardson I don't feel for you because I don't think it is a wise pick if any guys to fall like the Malik Willis of last year right it should be this guy Will Levis too Will Levis both of them have no no reason nothing in their tape that says they should be picked in the first round neither of them Uh, you know Adam Shine, the NFL analyst guy? Yeah. Okay, so I, I when I was looking up Logan Thomas, right? Um I found it I came across this article from Arizona Sports on it's titled NFL.com's Shine 
Arizona Cardinals Logan Thomas, a rookie who produced excitement. And uh, okay, here you go. They highlight he a half of one the ball pass for ninety three yards. That they highlight the half that he played when he completed eleven of twelve passes for one thirteen and a touchdown. I don't know what game that was. It does not mention that, but he did that apparently. Um, and this is what Adam Shine had to say on that. This is in 2014. He said, quote, some draft gurus and here, here's the sticker, members of the media elite think Logan Thomas has no future in the NFL at quarterback. Those folks are wrong. <laughs> on the other hand, my guy, Phil Sims, who said on our CBS draft preview show that Thomas was a true quarterback sleeper in the class or in this class is oh so right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read the, the rest of the other paragraph, but <laughs> isn't that great? What I actually That's what they're going to be saying about Anthony Richardson. I actually remember Logan Thomas's first pass. I believe it went for a touchdown. It was to Andre Ellington, and it was like a 93-yard pass down the sideline. I remember that, too, now that you mentioned that. But it I'm like pretty sure a deep memory. It was the only pass he completed that game. <laughs> and I'm also equally confident. I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure he threw an interception in that game as well. Um, but either way, um, definitely, look, Anthony Richardson is just too risky for the first round, way too risky. Look, he can have all that athletes in the world. If the dude ran a 4-2, I wouldn't take him in the first round. His tape is just not good. Like, they're, they're so obvious, like, with their concerns, or... How, do I, how should I word this? The issues in his tape are so obviously concerning. I wouldn't touch him with any of my draft picks. I don't care if it's the fifth round and he's still on the board. I don't think he's going to contribute to an NFL roster at quarterback. Like he uh, looks Logan. that bad on tape. Logan Thomas did throw an 81-yard touchdown pass to Andre oh, Ellington. It's still a long one. Um, yeah. Yeah, 2014. It was not even a good pass. It almost – it should have gotten almost intercepted. Got yeah. <laughs> it was in double coverage. It was in <laughs> double coverage. Um, it, what The safety literally missed. He went for the tackle and completely just whiffed. Um, didn't even touch Andre Ellington. Went out of bounds, actually. Took himself out of the play. Uh, and the linebacker linebacker covering him, who was nowhere near his speed, um, but somehow kept up, just had no idea where the ball was. Just DJ Hayden did. Um, so, yeah. Oh, Will Levis, too. It, it... His tape isn't as concerning as Anthony Richardson, but you have to take into account he was less productive than Anthony Richardson. 
Yeah, he only threw 19 touchdowns, like 2,400 yards. Mm-hmm. Look, like we were talking earlier when we were talking about Kyle Trask. If you're playing in the SEC, you should look good. Like you shouldn't look like you have obvious flaws. Like no I mean, prospects at least Kyle Trask look good for a year, right? That that, yeah. that helps my like, argument. There, there's, there's no perfect prospect, but that's not the point. The point is your your flaws shouldn't be so concerning that you're willing to overlook them just based off your athletic profile. Like, there's there's no flaw greater than unproductivity, in my opinion. I'm sorry. If you don't produce, what are you bringing to the table? That's the story of Belovis, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can't even produce on the college level? How do you expect him to produce on the pro level? Yeah, I'm going to bet he's not going to be good. Um, I, I don't understand where the hype came from on that. Hey, Anthony Richardson has the athletic profile to, uh, like that's so stellar that at least at least you'll be able to talk someone into taking that risk, right? To me, that's still too risky. The dude just straight up can't throw. But Will Levis doesn't have – his athletic profile isn't on that level, and yet he's still not productive, right? So he's even more concerning to me as a prospect. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I literally attribute him – He's to me, he is Blake Bortles, very similar. The, the rise is similar, like how no one talks about him all year and then all of a sudden pre-draft buzz. That, that's the kind of player that bad teams fall in love with, and that's the kind of player that bad teams draft high. And I, I say this, and I swear if the Panthers team. draft either of them, I'm, I'm just going to have to admit that the Panthers are a bad team. <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually uh, expected worse, so that, that's fair. <laughs> no, like thought you were gonna hang up the cleats or something there. <laughs> uh, no, I, I just it's the writings on the wall with those two. Um, don't fall for the the pre-draft buzz and the hype. Take you can be the most instead. Ath- look, you can be the most athletic person in the world, but if you cannot honest. throw, <laughs> through you cannot throw then you have no business playing quarterback. That is that is the bare minimum requirement for playing quarterback at any level is the ability to throw the football. And if you're not good at that, at the level prior to the NFL, how do you expect to get better at the pro level? And I know people say, oh, well, Josh Allen. Josh Allen was not this bad at throwing the ball. Like if you look at Anthony Richardson's tape and you look at Josh Allen's tape, Josh Allen's flaws were not as concerning. Like he was not as consistently inaccurate as Anthony Richardson at all, by any means. Like just look at the tape. Josh Allen was heralded as a first rounder two years prior to his draft. Anthony Richardson wasn't even, his name was never mentioned in as draftable as a quarterback two years prior to this draft. There's not a lot of similarities. 
Yeah, the people catch on, or at least the people that know catch on quick when they see it. That's telling. Yeah. I just don't see how you could have watched. I mean, maybe if you watched just the first game of last season uh, in college and saw Anthony Richardson, you'd be like, oh, wow, he's a stud. But if you watched any more than that, you'd be like, ooh, yeah, this guy's not good at college. You'd say he's not good in college. So NFL, really? This is this is a conversation we're actually having. <laughs> kind of, kind of blows my mind. Look, maybe this is what the Giants should have done. All right. Since the Giants want to play so risky, draft Anthony Richardson. <laughs> there you go. I mean, what what's the downside? You I mean, he can't I mean, if he's worse than Daniel Jones, it's not like he's that much worse, right? Because Daniel Jones is pretty bad. At least you're not paying him $40 million a year. And you probably get the same player in terms of rushing yards. You probably get similar to that in terms of passing, just lower completions. Probably yeah. more egregious interceptions. But, well, I mean, what's what's the biggest difference right there? Hmm. Oh, if they wanted to be risky, that's what they should have done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that. Um, but with that, if you have any last minute quips, um, don't draft Logan Thomas and expect him to be a quarterback. <laughs> so, uh, we'll or you guys, you know, draft a quarter, a Florida quarterback and, uh, know that they're really a tight end. Yeah. And stop calling Cam Newton a Florida quarterback. Okay. <laughs> he was there. <laughs> He was there for a redshirt year and never took a snap. Don't call okay. Cam Newton a Florida quarterback. See you out there on, on Twitter. Stop. Stop getting it trending. We don't need that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. Florida quarterbacks, oh. tight ends, Cam Newton, not a Florida quarterback. All that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. check us out on instagram at fraternal football podcast twitter coming soon we're getting a social media presence going also we are on like eight different podcasting services including spotify which you're most likely listening to apple podcasts now stitcher uh, like five more check us out on a variety uh we got stickers everywhere slide into our dms on social media engage maybe you want to be on the show let us know we're out there and we're available also if you like the content you hear in this podcast go ahead and leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. If there's ability to rate, go ahead and give us all those stars. We appreciate you for it. This episode is brought to you by HowToPest. Go to howtopest.com for your pest control needs. They're absolutely crushing it. What are you waiting for? This has been Fraternal Football. Cam and Zach signing off.